Welcome to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This episode is brought to you by 5MinuteBibleStudy.com. That's the mother website for this whole project and associated resources. Go to 5MinuteBibleStudy.com and there you'll have a large collection of Bible study resources that will help you to dig into the Word, get more familiar with it, and learn how to study the Bible for yourself. The uh, 5MinuteBibleStudy.com website was the original motherboard for everything that now is. Um, and I started off writing a series of articles that turned into what I called 5-Minute Bible Series. If you go to the top of the webpage, whether you're on your phone or the desktop, there's a drop-down menu, and on that menu, the top should say 5-Minute Bible Series. Click on that, and there are right now eight different Bible series to this point. That includes a series called Reading the Bible with Purpose, so how to read your Bible. Uh, there's one on family worship, how to conduct family worship, how to engage in that. There's one on are you saved? You can help answer that question for yourself, and there's others. So go check that out, and at the beginning of each episode, I'm going to promo a different resource from the website. I just want to give a little introduction to myself in this first episode. Some of you guys may not be as familiar with me as others. I'm sure a lot of you know me very well inside and out. I am 28 years old. I think that's it's approaching 500 years in dog years. I was calculating that today. Uh, obviously, yeah, I'm kind of weird. Anyway, uh, you've been around for a little while and still not as mature and as knowledgeable and as wise as God willing I will be one day. But I just want to share with you a little bit of what I do know, if I can say that, and hopefully that will be a benefit to you in this podcast. I never, I say never, I did not see myself doing a podcast two years ago even. Somebody told me I should start one, and I, I thought it was kind of like a fad and the th- cool thing to do. I was like, I'm not going to be like everybody else. And then I've seen the podcast forum just blow up over the last few years. And so here I am, just like everybody else, starting a podcast. I wanted to make this entertaining. I also wanted to make it informative, a little bit of both. Like you can have an informative podcast and an entertaining podcast, can you not? And so that's the point of this. Uh, let me not get ahead of myself. Let me tell you what each episode is going to look like generally. There's always going to be what I call the main dish, and that is the Bible study topic of the day. That is usually, it's half of the time, it's going to be something that I just chose and really wanted to speak about for around 15 minutes or so. That's around how long the main dish will last. Sometimes that'll be interchanged with a Q&A segment. I haven't gotten a lot of questions so far submitted for the podcast to be answered. I've gotten a few, and so sometimes the main dish will be a Q&A segment where I talk about the answer to a question that you guys have submitted to me for about 15 minutes or so. I will always have, uh, I should always have, uh, let me say that, a Bible story segment, which is actually coming up after this segment right now. Um, Today's will be about Daniel and the lion's den. And we're going to be telling Bible stories, which I've become very minorly famous for on my YouTube channel. So go check out the YouTube channel. I'll be featuring that on another promo to an episode later. Um, We'll have a little Bible story segment, and that's for your kids. So uh, adults, I know a lot of adults that enjoy them too. So hopefully they'll get something out of this. Um, I will dramatize those, and I might add a few details here and there that you can't read from the text, but hopefully I will be able to tell you 
when I'm doing that, or I, I will tell you when I'm doing that. Not hopefully I will. Um, I will also have these little satiric commercials. Again, they are satire. They are not real commercials. They are not actual things that I am selling or products. They would always be noted, but uh, these are meant to be funny. And so please do not be offended by anything. If I make fun of something that has to do with Christianity and it just so happens that the f- shoe fits your foot, please do not get offended. It is a joke. And it's just meant to give us some hearty cheer. We always need some comedic relief in our life, uh, even when we're talking about serious stuff every now and then. And then finally, you know, as a preacher, I am a preacher full-time for the Church of Christ at Chapel Grove, or the Chapel Grove Church of Christ in Summertown, Tennessee. And as long as I've been teaching at church, which has been around 10 years, I have always stuck my foot in my mouth. I've always said something that I should not have said. And uh, so at the end of the, each episode, as I have material, sometimes I'm not going to have material, and sometimes I'll be waiting to stick my foot in my mouth again, but I will have a foot and mouth syndrome segment where I share with you one of these stories of myself, and hopefully other people will share with me foot and mouth syndromes of their own, and we'll be able to fill that segment up. So that's kind of the layout of each podcast episode. I hope you enjoy this. And in today's main dish, by the way, as a preview, we will be talking about this podcast uh, and just stick with that. Let's get now into the first segment, and that is Bible stories. And that donkey got up not too far away from that angel of the Lord. Send me a man to fight with me. Esau, let me tell you a story. I'll prove to you that I can defeat that giant. And he said, no, I can't do that. You're my master's wife. Daniel and the lion's den. This was one of my favorite stories as a kid growing up. I loved it when my dad told me this story, and so I hope that you love it too. Daniel was actually, at this point in his life, this story takes place, he was actually an old man. He was somewhere between 80 and 90 years old. I don't think most people think of that whenever the story is told, but facts. Hashtag facts. Anyways, King Darius is the king of the Medo-Persian Empire. And right now, Daniel lives under the rule of King Darius. King Darius was very powerful, and he had set over his kingdom 120 satraps, the Bible says. These are basically guys that looked over, uh, they oversaw his kingdom. And over those 120 satraps, there were three governors that uh, Darius placed over them. One of those was Daniel. Daniel was one of his right-hand men, men. And, uh, you know, Daniel had proven himself to be a very upstanding, good, young, at this point, old man, wise, beyond his years, devout to his God. Darius knew that he was a, a godly man after the one true God. And as, uh, you know, these other governors, these other two governors and the satraps and all that, they, they watched and they saw how much Darius liked Daniel and how uh, well-respected that he was. They got greedy. You know how when good people do the right thing, bad people see it and they just can't help themselves. And that's what happened to these governors. They just got greedy and mean. They were wicked men. And uh, anyways, Daniel just does his thing, man. You know, he goes to his uh, bedroom every day, three times a day, the Bible says, and he would open it toward Jerusalem, the capital city of his homeland, God's land of the Jewish people. And he would pray to God three times a day, every single day, morning, afternoon, and night. It said that he did this from his early days when he was a little kid. And by the way, uh, there's a little point for you guys. If you are parents and you have kids, you need to be praying with your kids every morning, 
every evening, at the very least, every single day, they need to be taught this. Okay, back to the story. And so Daniel just does his thing, man. He goes up there and he prays to God, the one true God, just like he always does. Well, these governors, they can't take it anymore. And they finally come up with this scheme, and they come to King Darius. And you know, kings, they have egos. It means they have a lot of pride, and they try to stroke that ego a little bit and uh, use that to their advantage, and they did. They had come up with this plan. They had noticed that that Daniel was very devoted to the one true God of Israel. And so they thought, we'll use that against him, and we'll come up with a uh, a decree and present this to the king, and he'll like this. The decree being that everybody in the whole land of the Medo-Persian Empire would have to uh, worship only King Darius for 30 days. Nobody else. If anybody else worshipped anybody but King Darius for 30 days, they would be thrown into this den of lions. <gasps> and uh, so they thought, this is a pretty good plan. King Darius will like this. So they took it to him. They said, um, uh, King King Darius, uh, we, we wanted to propose something to you. And he says, yes, go ahead, speak. King Darius, we know that you are the most powerful king in all the land, and, and we, uh, we believe that you alone are worthy of all praise and worship, and we, we want to propose to you that nobody should worship anyone but you, King Darius, O great one, for 30 days. And as he's listening to this, you can imagine he's stroking his beard, and he likes it. Yes, yes. I like it, he says. And, and so he says, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And I, and I like the punishment, too. So they clap their hands and they go on their way and they get a pair of binoculars and they are waiting, just waiting for Daniel to do what he does three times a day and catch him in the act. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they go out there and they're waiting for Daniel and it doesn't take even till the afternoon till Daniel goes and he opens up his windows to Jerusalem as he always does and he sits down and he prays to God and they got him buddy they got him they got witnesses and they bring him to Darius and they say King Darius we found somebody who broke the decree that you signed yesterday what are you going to do what, what, what are you going to do oh Darius loved Daniel and he was heartbroken that he did not have enough foresight to anticipate this but one of the rules of the Medo-Persian Empire is once a decree was put into place, it could not be revoked. Otherwise, King Darius' life might be under attack. And so, he had to go ahead and tell them to throw him in the lion's den, as was the just punishment for this breaking of the decree. But he told Daniel, as if Daniel didn't already know, he said, Daniel, you're God. Your God will deliver you. He'll keep you safe in the lion's den. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, and so they carry him off and they wrap him up with ropes and they take him to the lion's den and they throw him down there. <sighs> and he falls to the bottom of the den. I don't know if there was a crash or whatever. And Daniel's uh, listening to King Darius encourage him all the way down. And finally they roll a stone over the, over the mouth of the den. And then King Darius has to put his signet on the stone so that nobody breaks the seal and nobody lets Daniel out. Well, then Darius goes home and he's sweating and he's 
oh man, he's worried and, and he's praying. And he's just hoping that Daniel makes it through the lion's attacks because they were hungry, man. They didn't get fed every day. And he was just certain that Daniel was going to not be there in the morning. And so first thing, dawn breaks and he runs to that den and he goes and he commands that the stone be rolled back and he yells down there and he says, Daniel, 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 are you there? Are you there? Are you there? And Daniel yells back, yes, 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 I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And he says, are you hurt, are you hurt, are you hurt? And Daniel yells back, no, no, no. And I'll stop at the echoing, but he basically tells Darius, he says, no, God sent an angel last night, and the angel kept the mouths of the lions closed so that they did not touch me, and my God delivered me. And Darius, he's so happy. And he says, pull him out. Pull him out. Let down a rope and pull him out. And so they pull him out. And then Darius, he gets those governors that had come up with this plan. He said, take them and take their families and throw them into the den. And, ooh, there wasn't no angel this time. And so when those guys, they start falling, falling, falling down into the den, those lines caught him in midair, the Bible says, and ripped him to shreds before they even touched the ground. And then King Darius wrote, this decree, and we'll finish with this from Daniel chapter 6, Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? And Daniel prospered, the Bible says, in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, who would succeed him. And that is a story of Daniel and the lion's den. This week's episode is brought to you by Mana Bars. Have you tried reading your Bible once a year and feel like you are still spiritually weak? Maybe you even go to church as often as every Easter, but still no spiritual growth. If this describes you, then you need Mana Bars. Mana bars are the latest and greatest. This power-packed spiritual protein bar will give you a full day's worth of the fruits of the Spirit in one bar. Don't listen to people that tell you Christianity is a discipline, that you need to read your Bible like daily manna, pray without ceasing, be at church whenever the doors are open, trust God in all things, and so on. Mana bars give you all the fruits of the Spirit without any of that annoying work. Just eat one bar daily, and you'll immediately start feeling more patient, meek, faithful, kind, joyful, having self-control, and more. Go to manabarsfakenews.com and get your first box of mana bars for free with the promo code LIES, that's L-I-E-S, and start your spiritual transformation right away. Welcome back for the main dish of the day. Uh, this is the segment, like I said, where we're going to talk about our main subject and I just want to kind of get our minds prepared for this podcast, what you can expect from a spiritual standpoint, from a studying the Word of God standpoint. I'm actually going to be drawing some thoughts and concepts from the first chapter of the book that I published, How to Understand the Bible. By the way, if you didn't realize uh, that I have published a few books, self, they're self-published, uh, and I will promo those in future episodes, but uh, I'm going to draw some thoughts, so initially I'm going to tell you about this one. How, how to Understand the Bible. It is a five-minute Bible study student workbook, and I started a five-minute Bible series. This is the first series I did. I took that series from my online format and turned it into a book where I added some stuff to it. So if you go to the website and you read the How to Understand the Bible series, that's like 
13 lessons or so, it's not exactly the same as the book because I took the online version, the digital version, and I changed it, spiced it up quite a bit, edited it as needed, and I haven't completely edited the original on the website to match the book. But nonetheless, that resource is there. It's a free download. If you want the book, go to the book, uh, drop-down tab that says books, go download it for free there, or you can buy it. PM me on the Facebook page, Instagram page, whatever, and let me know if you'd like a copy of the book. Anyway, as we start out in that book, and I'm talking about how to understand the Bible, how to study the Bible, you got to start off with a right frame of mind. And I'm going to be covering a large range of topics in this from the Bible's standpoint, you know, Bible topics, Bible verses. Um, You're going to need to get on, we're going to need to get on the same page in terms of how we're looking at the Bible, how we're approaching Christianity, and so forth. There is so much confusion in the Christian world. And I, when I say Christian, I'm using that term very loosely. Uh, I mean that term right now as I use it, referring to anybody that identifies with Christianity. So that's used pretty loosely. There is so much confusion within that sphere, Christendom, as to how to approach God, how to view God, how to obey God, um, does obeying God even matter? That kind of stuff. So when I'm talking about the Bible, I'm talking about the inspired Word of God. I believe that every single word of the Bible is inspired. That means it came from God. It was delivered to men, and those men wrote it down as they were led by the Holy Spirit. Peter tells that in 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 20. Um, and as we approach that book, you want to approach the Word of God understanding that it is the Word of God. And so if you're tuning into this podcast from the very beginning, or you jump on later, just understand that's how I'm approaching the Bible. That's what I believe about it. I believe that Jesus Christ is God. He is one of the three persons in the Godhead. He came in the flesh. He literally died on the cross. And yes, he did rise miraculously the third day. And that is the premise of what our hope is based upon, our hope of salvation. So as we come to these pages of the Bible, uh, we want to approach it with all of that already taken for granted. So if we don't agree on those things, and you're probably not going to agree with me on a lot of the content and a lot of the things that I say on this podcast, because I'm taking those things for granted. Um, if you don't agree with those things, and we need to talk about those, I'd be more than happy if you would reach out and we can talk about those basic facts that lead up to taking the Bible at face value. But again, I'm just going to assume that and let's move on. As we approach that, there's a lot of people that say they believe the Bible is the Word of God, but they actually don't. Uh, they say they do, but they actually don't. Because when you go to a verse of Scripture and, and you start to read it together, or you ask somebody, what does this verse mean? Then they'll use some type of a disclaimer like, well, that doesn't mean what it says it means, or it doesn't. It really isn't inspired. Um, you know, I only take the words of Jesus in red and so forth. And so really getting down to what people mean by that uh you can't always take first impressions. I mean that every single word of the Bible, not just the words of Jesus are inspired. And when I come to Jesus' words or Paul's words, I approach it with the same attitude. Now, here's the attitude that Paul told Timothy to have in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Uh, Paul said, Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, that is teaching. And jumping down to verse 5, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Those three things right there are essential to proper Bible study and a proper Bible understanding and just spiritual growth. A pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And when you study the Bible, you should, and, and you start to consume it and actually 
absorb it and live it. You should notice a transformation. Maybe not the next day, but you should notice a transformation of your heart. And you should notice how your conscience grows stronger and your faith increases. Part of that, though, does start with you having some level of those right attitudes when you approach the Bible. Otherwise, if you have the wrong attitude, you're not going to grow more pure in heart. Your conscience will not get stronger because you're approaching the Bible from the wrong attitude from the get-go. So when we talk about having a pure heart, we uh, we understand that we're always seeking what is good, what is pure, what is holy, what is right. Uh, we always want to seek that state uh, relationship, that state of relationship with God. Um, Jesus said in the parable, or not the parable, but the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart and those who thirst for righteousness, meaning those who are hungering and thirsty and desire to be made right with God. And they will do anything that they have to in order to be made right with God. And if that means trusting in God so much so as to do something that seems silly, but he said, do it, and if you do it, I'll believe that you actually trust me. Um, then we'll do that, even if it means standing up in a corner on our head, as I say a lot of times. Well, that's we got to have that pure heart to begin with. That means whenever the Bible tells us something that seems outlandish, and we're like, no, it cannot mean that, then when it comes down to the end of considering the matter, and there is no other explanation besides this one, our pure heart leads us to, we will do anything that God asks of us because He has done so much for us, and we so badly thirst for that righteousness, that purity that God only can bring us. The next thing is that our conscience will grow stronger, and we have to start off with a level of conscience to begin with. The conscience is the thing, you know, the angel on your left shoulder and the devil on your right shoulder telling you, yes, uh, do this, or no, Aaron, you should not put your hand in that uh, jar, you know, whatever, random example there. And so, uh, you know, when you are brand new to the Christian faith, your conscience is not what it's going to be five years from then if you're growing in Christ like you should, like Paul admonishes Timothy too. But acknowledge from the very get-go, and we're going to talk about this also in just a minute, and this goes hand-in-hand with the conscience, that there is such a thing as truth. Your conscience has to realize that up front. There is such a thing as truth, regardless of what culture may tell you. And so the Holy Spirit reveals that truth to us. The words of Jesus are truth, and they are what set us apart, which sanctify us uh, and mold our conscience. And then finally, a sincere faith and a sincere trust in God. Uh, We always want to have that. That will be our aim in all things, and we want to mold that in other people as well, to have a sincere faith in God, not just doing things because uh, other people told us to, because the preacher said so, uh, because we don't want to let somebody down, but a sincere faith that obeys God from the heart um, and trusts Him uh, in all purity. So those three things, 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 5, I think set the scene very well. And so as I go through different topics, as you ask me questions and I give you answers, we want to always remember what Paul told Timothy. Let's have a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, and we'll be started off on the right road. I will just bring your attention to, you know, a lot, I don't know, you know, who all my audience is going to be or is in this first episode, but perhaps we are coming from different denominational backgrounds. Um, I, like I said, I preach at the Church of Christ, and one of the things that the Churches of Christ are known for teaching, and I believe this with all my heart, is that we are not a denomination, and that means that we try to, as much as we can, 
preach what the Bible preaches. And when the Bible is silent on something, as the famous quote from Thomas Campbell, when the Bible speaks, we speak. When the Bible is silent, we are silent. And that's drawn from several different Bible passages, such as Colossians 3 and verse 17, uh, 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 to 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. Uh, that's a very important passage where Paul tells the Corinthians to not think beyond what's written. And so, like I said, if the Bible is the Word of God, and we're not supposed to think beyond what's written, then we go to the Bible for always understanding and seeking what is the will of the Lord on this thing. But not all denominations live by that motto. Not all denominations live by the motto of Paul to not think beyond what is written. They might say they do, but when it comes down to teaching and practice, they actually don't. Um, so I'm not in agreement with all denominations, but hear me out. That does not mean that I do not like people from other denominations. That does not mean that I have a right to be unkind to people from other denominations, but that does mean that if I believe that uh, there is a gap between us and, or between them and the Word of God, that I need to, if I actually love them, point that out. And let's try to reason together and come to an understanding on where we're different. Well, regardless of what you were raised in, the Church of Christ or another denomin or a denomination, um, anybody, regardless of the church, can be operating in their quote-unquote relationship with God under the wrong circumstances, under the wrong um, assumptions. The first, uh, I won't say the first, but there are six common reasons why people have the faith that they do. Uh, by the way, before I get any deeper into that, faith is simply trust. In this context, obviously, we're talking about trust in God. But faith is a continuum, and some people have a little bit of faith. Some people have a lot of faith. The disciples asked Jesus to increase our faith. That tells us there is differing amounts of faith. Um, and some people have a little bit of faith uh, or a lot of faith for the wrong reasons. Number one, a lot of people have been told something since they were a baby. Before, Maybe while they were in the, room, uh, the womb, they heard these same things taught over and over and over. And there's an anonymous quote. I don't know who said it. I don't know if anybody does that. It's easier to believe a lie that you've been told a thousand times than to believe a truth that you've only heard one time. And when people have been told the wrong thing so long, it is so difficult to get them to see the truth. And then when they do see it, to get them to accept the truth. That's And, and even I can be guilty of that, okay? Anybody can be guilty of that. And we have to always be mindful of the fact that it's possible that we have been told something just repetitively, and that's why we believe what we believe. Another thing is, the preacher said so. And the preacher, in this case, is an authority figure. When an authority figure, like the president, or a governor, or a politician, or in this case, a preacher, tells us something, then we, you know, we say to ourselves, well, he went to school. A lot of places, they require their preacher to have gone to seminary. Now, I've never been to seminary, but I've gone through an extensive amount of training and studying, and they say, you know, Aaron, you've, you've been to school. I trust you on this. Um, what's the Bible tell me on this? And they just kind of take it at face value without verifying it for themselves. Um, but that's the wrong reason to believe what you believe because the preacher is not inspired. The preacher hopefully is reading the Word of God to you and telling you what it says, book, chapter, and verse, but he himself is not inspired. And sometimes we hear the preacher say, I think, and we don't give it enough pause. And he says, well, in my opinion, but we don't test that. And when preacher gives you his opinion, or I thinks, and not a thus saith the Lord, then we really need to question ourselves, 
Do we believe what we believe because that's what the Word of God says, or it's because that's what my preacher said? And I won't spend as long as I have on the last four points as I have these first two, but uh, the next reason people believe what they believe, and it's not a good reason, is that no one believes that. Broad brush statements that, you know, just throwing a whole can of paint on something and saying nobody believes that, not really examining the evidences for it, but whenever the Bible says something uh, coarse or something that's uncommon or just not uh, culturally acceptable, we say nobody believes that surely that can't be right, when maybe in fact it is right. Uh, go, for example, to the Matthew 7, uh, verses 13 and 14, where Jesus says the way to heaven is narrow, the way to righteousness is narrow, and that means that a lot of what the Bible teaches, and uh, if you understand it correctly, you'll understand that a lot of people will reject the truth uh, and, and say, nobody believes that, when in fact, very few people do believe the truth. That's right. Uh, so perhaps we give broad brush statements more than we should, which is, if we ever do it, that's more than we should. Uh, the next thing is inherited religion. It goes kind of back to the first point, things that are repeated over and over. Well, inherited religion, if my mom and dad believe something, I am exponentially more likely to believe it. Not in every case, because some children have bad relationships with their parents or uh, mistreated by their parents. But generally, if you had a good relationship with your parents, if they believe something, especially both my mom and dad, and especially multiple generations, then I am a lot more likely to continue in that same faith system, regardless of whether there's actual credibility to it, regardless of what the Bible says. And, and part of that's not even the fact that uh, it's so ingrained in your mind, but if you were to come to a realization that, wow, my parents, it seems like they're wrong, the emotional tie that you have to them keeps you from admitting that maybe they're wrong and maybe I'm going to go down this path, uh, which I believe is what the Bible is teaching. The fifth thing is feelings. When we feel something is right, a lot of people, they pursue that. And you see an example of this in uh, dating relationships. People say, just follow your heart. By the way, and I will talk about dating relationships, I will talk about the sexual sin, I will talk about lust and a lot of stuff later on in other episodes, but just by the way, people that say follow your heart, what a bunch of baloney. Do not follow your heart. Your, your heart is so uh, easily corrupted. Yeah, Jeremiah says that in Jeremiah 7 and verse, I think it's verse 9, I may have that verse reference wrong, but it's Jeremiah chapter uh, 17, I believe. And Jeremiah tells us the heart is evil beyond measure, and he's exaggerating, but he, what he is saying is that the human heart can become very corrupted, that if you just follow whatever you feel, it will lead you down a very bad path. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 says to lean on the Lord, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Don't acknowledge your feelings, and I won't pursue that anymore. That's enough. But feelings for some people are more sure and steady than, you know, the fact that peanut butter goes to jelly, which I wholeheartedly believe that. If you don't believe that, you are weird. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if you believe that feelings are the evidence for truth, you have been led astray. And uh, a lot of people let those feelings guide them and it will lead them to the wrong conclusions. Uh, and when you come to the wrong conclusion about your faith, that is a devastating wrong conclusion. Finally, there is just simple defiance. Some people come to the truth, they acknowledge the truth, and they just simply boldly say, I don't want to believe that. And it really saddens me. I, I've heard people say that. They read the Bible with me. We have our Bibles open. They read it for what it says, and they'll say, well, I'll just be honest with you, Aaron. I don't want to believe that. 
And I don't, I'm just not going to follow that. And, and you think to yourself, nobody would actually say that, but they do. That's called defiance. And there is just, there's no room for that. There's no room for that. Maybe we'll talk about that idea a little bit more, defiance and just straight up disbelieving something. Uh, when we address in one of the Q&As, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which I think is uh, along that same line of thought. So tantalizing you there a little bit with a tease. But let's get our attitudes right so that when we come to these different topics of discussion, these different verses, whatever, how to grow spiritually, that we all approach the Bible the same way. We are all approaching it as the Word of God. We have the attitude of a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, that, and we're going to increase in all those, Lord willing. And we want to um, we want to speak the truth, even if it's not popular. We want to speak the truth. And there's a great passage that I just love, and I'm talking off the top of my memory here quite a bit in this segment, so that's why these verse uh, references, double-check me and make sure that I get these verse references right. I believe it's Proverbs chapter 24, and in the first four verses, it's one of those first four verses, uh, I believe that the proverb writer the Solomon says, uh, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed, and the wounds of a friend are better than the uh, kisses of an enemy. I was studying Proverbs with some young people this summer, and it really, that verse stood out to me in our study of Proverbs, and I love it so much. First of all, it tells you that you can't trust your feelings, which we just talked about. Because, listen to it again, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. A kiss feels good, right? A wound does not feel good. But in that verse, he's saying the wound is the good thing, and the kiss is the bad thing. Look back to Judas kissing Jesus on the cheek in the garden and saying, Rabbi, that was not good. But yet when Jesus told Peter uh, in that same week, perhaps, get behind me, Satan, your mind is not on things above, but on things of this earth, Matthew 16, that hurt. But that was a good thing when Jesus told him that. It was good that he hurt. He needed to understand that. But it was not a good thing when Judas deceived by kissing him on the cheek, acting like he loved him when he, in fact, didn't. He was betraying him in the very act. That tells us that the truth doesn't always feel good. And we need to have real, raw conversations where we talk about the truth, regardless of how it makes us feel, because us feeling good and going to hell is not going to do anybody good, any good, really. Uh, never telling people that, uh, you know, listen, You've got this completely backwards. Here's what the Bible teaches. Uh, and just staying silent on the matter and not uh, taking that risk, not taking that chance of, it might hurt their feelings, but this is for their good. And and if as long as you have the pure heart, the good conscience, and the sincere faith, that's your attitude. Then when you talk to people about their error, then you'll do it in such a way, if those things are true, that you speak the truth in love and you convey to them that I actually have your best interest in mind. Um Always read your audience and always always be aware of how you're talking to people because if you have the truth uh, and, and you do, maybe a, a rebuke is in order, but you have the wrong attitude and you have the wrong demeanor and you have the wrong speech, it is not going to accomplish what the truth uh, could accomplish if you had the right demeanor, the right speech, the right attitude. So that's our uh, that's a little spiel of how I approach the scriptures and how it's going to be important for you to understand that going forward. I hope that you have the same mind. Uh, if you don't, reach out to me and let's get on the same uh, train of thought if we can. And I pray that God blesses you through this podcast. I pray that 
Um, he will providentially use this podcast to reach many people that, that souls can be saved from it. Uh, even if it's just simply uh, Christians growing in their faith and increasing in their faith, I pray that that is the case as well. And I pray that ultimately God is glorified by the things that we say here. And at the same time, like I said in the intro, you know, let's have a little fun. Let's, let's, let's laugh a little bit if we can. That's why I have these silly commercials and these Bible stories and so, so forth. It's not like you can't laugh while studying the Bible. Uh, let's let's do that, but also let's take serious issues seriously uh, and get serious when we need to. So that's kind of how I'm going to approach things in this podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this little episode. Um, other resources I'll bring to your attention, but if you would like to, again, the book How to Understand the Bible, If you that was the first chapter that we went through uh, just in this little, uh, what do we call this, the main dish segment, but you can get that on the website, free download. Well, we have one more segment, the foot and mouth syndrome segment, and then we'll be done. Thanks for logging on and listening to the first episode of the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. I need to give golden stars to everybody that were first-time audience members from the very beginning. Uh, You deserve something special. I hope you stick with us and that you are truly blessed by this new effort. God bless you. When I was about 14 years old, I got baptized and I was added to the church. Um, I started teaching not long after that, and something really, really embarrassing, probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me uh, teaching before, before the congregation. I mean, the church that I went to, it was about, I want to say, 60 people maybe. So it wasn't a huge crowd, plus it was on a Wednesday night. So there, you know, the building wasn't packed or anything, but still, I knew these people pretty well. They knew me. And um, I don't even remember what I was teaching about, but right in the middle of my sermon, I burped, like I belched, <laughs> and I was so embarrassed, and I, I, it was pretty loud, and I stopped preaching, and I thought to myself, I'm going to regather here, and we'll get back, but then I just couldn't help it, man. I just, my huge smile, I started laughing. And I had to turn my back. Everybody else starts laughing. And I looked at the board, like we have this big whiteboard. And I'm looking at this board for a good, you know, 30 seconds. I try to turn back around. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Look, start, turn back around, look at the board until like two, three minutes have passed. And I'm finally, I gather composure and I'm able to start speaking again and get back on track. This is not the first time that laughing ensued during a, a sermon I was giving, not because I was trying to be comedic. Um, but anyways, after the sermon was over, I talked to people and they were asking me, why, why were you laughing? Like, what was the big deal? (laughs) Nobody heard the burp. So like I could have just kept on going, but I was positive people heard me belch. Uh, so if you ever are teaching or you're ever giving a presentation at school or whatever, and you belch, just remember, uh, probably nobody heard it. And if they did, good on you. (laughs) No, just kidding. Uh, anyways, This will wrap up the first episode of the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Come back next time for another episode here on the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast Network. (laughs) 